Greetings and welcome to episode number 456 of Holy Crap It Sports. I'm your host, Pete Davis. A cloudy day, about 80-something degrees here at the Sandy Springs Podcast Center. So summer has broken a little bit for a week or so, so that's very nice. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, let's get the business out of the way. If you want to follow me on Twitter, go to Pete Davis one It is a great follow. If you'd like to write me a letter, Pete Davis one at yahoo.com. Say, like, uh, hmm, I'd like to be a sponsor of the show. Uh, or just say, hey. Uh, let's see, you go to patreon.com if you'd like to sponsor the show, if you think this is worth a cheeseburger a month, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, just look up uh, Holy Crap at Sports, I appreciate it, and also if you want a t-shirt, how about a Holy Crap at Sports t-shirt, yeah, for birthdays or whatever, it helps out the show and it helps out farmhouseprintingco.com, local company in Sonoya, Georgia, farmhouseprintingco.com for Drink Up Shriner t-shirts or Jack the Good Boy t-shirts, Kimmer Show, whatever, Shannon Burke, whatever you want. Everything. They can do everything. And it's just one or a thousand. It doesn't matter how many you need. Farmhouseprintingco.com. Headlines for Wednesday, June 29th of 2022. Well, further proof that Freddie Freeman knows he made a mistake. He has fired his agent. The Braves could be without closer Kenley Jansen for more than two weeks as a heart problem comes back. They get their road trip off to a good start, too, last night. More on that report that a high school four-star quarterback just got $10 million in NIL money. Everybody's saying no. The Pirate finds his treasure chest in Starkville. Big changes in ACC football coming. Time for Serena Williams to hang it up. Rumors abound about the Atlanta Hawks. Brooks Kepka on why he's abandoning the PGA Tour. And Pete's tweets, this day in sports history, what famous athletes do you share a birthday with? All that coming up. Let's get started, shall we? The Braves begin this road trip to Philadelphia and Cincinnati by holding off the Phils 5-3. Started out 3-0, and then the Phils tied it up, and then the Braves uh, went ahead. Travis Darno and Matt Olson hit back-to-back homers in the first. Olson also went deep later in the contest for the go-ahead run. Adam Duvall doubled in Orlando Orsia with an insurance run in the ninth. A.J. Mentor got his first save in a while, and he looked good doing it. Charlie Morton struggled with his control most of the game, yet managed to get the a big pitch when he needed an out. He's a veteran. They almost had a triple play, too. Adam Duvall dove to catch a fly ball with runners on first and second. Adam threw the ball to second for the second out, and Arcia tagged the runner off first for the third out. But it was later decided that Kyle Schwarber had tagged at second base, so it was only two outs. It dawned on me last night how much Arcia reminds me of a former Brave, a shortstop, Rafael Furcal. He's a little bigger, I think, but he looks like him, and both have strong arms. He just reminds me of him. Bryce Harper leads the National League All-Star voting for designated hitter, but since he's injured and might not be back this year, William Contreras, who is second in the votes, that's right, has a great chance of going. Keep voting, Braves fans. You can vote five times a day. Dansby Swanson is second right now to Trey Turner, so keep voting. Both those uh, gentlemen deserve to go, by the way. We may not watch the game, All-Star game, but we certainly want them to have to mention Atlanta a lot during the game, especially in L.A. Braves now have four games behind the Mets, who got pounded by the Astros yesterday. The Braves put closer Kenley Jansen on the 15-day injured list within a regular heartbeat. This is the third or fourth time this has happened to Kenley. He had an ablation, which is when they put a tube in you and cauterize part of your heart. That's giving the wrong electrical impulses, and that was a few years ago. But the problem has come back again, like it did a few years later, and as I said before, I've been dealing with this since the late 1990s, and it ain't fun. 
It took about 15 years before doctors found a treatment that has been able to let me get back to a semi-normal life. Hopefully it continues to work for uh, me and uh, they'll get something for Kenley. I'm not a professional athlete who depends on my body for my livelihood like Jansen. It's got to be really scary being in his position right now. Now hopefully they'll find something to keep him uh, on the mound. Uh, So in between this time, what do the Braves do? Well, they won it all last year with Will Smith, your closer. They hope to get Tyler Matzik back soon. I would think about putting Spencer Strider in the bullpen, but you've already stretched him out to be your fifth starter, and that's working out very well. So you likely don't want to mess with that right now. Maybe not this year. Look for Alex Anthopoulos to make a move if Kenley's condition continues, and he may have to do it anyway. It was obvious to anyone with eyes that Freddie Freeman would rather still be playing in an Atlanta Braves uniform. He said as much all last year during the World Series, after winning the World Series, all during the offseason, and it showed throughout the entire three-game series between the Dodgers and Braves over last weekend. Buster Olney of ESPN reported then that it frankly was Freddie and his agent who screwed up the negotiations, not saying that Alex Anthopoulos doesn't bear some of the weight too. Uh, but not a lot, it seems. And further proof that being true is, uh, that, uh, being true is yesterday, uh, Freddie Freeman fired his agent. It showed uh, that basically only has been right. Everyone was talking about this during the Twins-Guardian game yesterday, and uh, Cleveland play-by-play man Tom Hamilton went on and on about the firing and the Dodgers being irked with Freddie, and he pretty much took the Dodgers' side, but I'm not a big fan of his anyway. Uh, Olney has been on this story like white on rice, and here's what he had to say. When Freeman left the Braves and eventually landed with the Dodgers, they were shocked within the industry I hate when they say baseball in the industry, because of Freeman's long history with the Bravos. Now, Freeman has fired the agency that represented him in the offseason negotiations. Excel Sports Management, Casey Close, <laughs> Closer, was the lead agent in the talks with the Braves and Dodgers. In a statement to MLB.com, Freeman acknowledged his status with his agent is fluid, did not confirm the firing. Last weekend in Atlanta was a very emotional time for me and my family, Freeman says. I am working through some issues with my longtime agents at Excel. My representation remains a fluid situation, and I will update it if needed. Now think about that while I take a sip here. Hmm. Fluid. If you went to your girlfriend and said, uh, or she came to you, uh, I think our relationship is in a fluid state right now. Would you consider that a positive thing? <laughs> well, it depends if you want to get rid of her, but anyway... Uh, The MLB Players Association sent an email to agents on Freeman's behalf on Monday ordering agents to not contact him. This is common practice when players do not want to be besieged by agents. Freeman is listed within baseball's central system as currently being self-represented. Freeman indicated to some of his former teammates of the Braves over the weekend that he was going to change agents, giving his frustration with how his free agency concluded back in March. The Braves made a $135 million five-year offer that was still on the table in the first days after the owner's lockout ended. As reported back in March by Buster Olney, Close, the lead negotiator for Excel, contacted Anthopolis, the head of baseball operations for the Braves, and presented two proposals on behalf of Freeman significantly higher than that of the $135 million offer of the Braves. He gave the team an hour to respond. Think about that. Not only one plan, but two plans to mull over, and you got one hour. Uh, That's a dick move, and it didn't work. The Braves bumped their offer up to $140 million, but once again, that wasn't even close to what Close was wanting. 
When that deadline passed, Close and Anthopoulos agreed that there were no offers on the table. The Braves, believing that Close's deadline meant that Freeman was about to conclude a deal with another team, which is common sense, uh, probably the Dodgers, quickly pivoted to make a blockbuster deal with the Athletics for all-star Matt Olson and signed the 27-year-old to an eight-year, $168 million contract, which effectively ended any chance that Freeman would return. Now, Freeman reached out to some of his former Braves teammates and expressed shock that his negotiations had played out as they had. Within a week, Freeman had signed with the Dodgers for six years, $162 million, although the deal contains $57 million in deferred salary. That deal, in the end, could be worth less than the total value of the Braves offer given the heavy deferrals and California state taxes. Freeman was initially critical of the Braves' handling. Uh, Freeman spoke with Anthopolis about what occurred during the talks and apparently has made his peace with the organization. He wholly embraced the ceremonies last weekend, which included a ring presentation from his friend and former manager Brian Snicker. Snicker, seeing Freddie get emotional, encouraged him to relax. Now, Chipper Jones warned Freddie not to play the Braves, that Anthopolis would not blink, and Freddie didn't pass that on to his agent, I guess. Uh, meanwhile, New York Post writer John Heyman says that Aaron Judge may be about to do to the Yankees what Freeman did to the Braves. Heyman says the Giants would be the number one landing spot for Judge, who hails from San Francisco. For some reason, I still think the Yankees are going to come to their senses and sign him. He is, I think he's 30 now. He's going to be injury prone, has been a little in the past. He's healthy right now. But every year something comes up with this guy, sometimes two or three times a year. He's six foot seven, a big dude. You know what happens. You get injured more. And it's only going to get worse the older he gets, probably. But anyway, I still say he stays with the Yankees. But we'll see. Uh, brawl ball. Angels reliever Archie Bradley broke a bone in his right elbow, not during the fight the other day, but climbing over the dugout railing during the Angels' uh, massive fight with the Mariners on Sunday. Bradley will be out for at least a month, more likely two. <laughs> I'm not, not laughing at his injury. It's just how he did it. It's the second injury to result from the lengthy fracas. Um, M's catcher Luis Torrens is on the 10-day injured list of the sore left shoulder. Bradley slipped and fell off the railing when the brouhaha broke out in the second inning. <laughs> if his teammates don't immediately rename him Humpty Dumpty, they should all face a fine in kangaroo court. I'm sorry, because just like Humpty, he fell off a high place and, well, no, he fell off the railing. He couldn't even climb over the railing. He probably tripped on that beard he used to have. Maybe he still has it. I don't know. He's been washed up for a while anyway. So let me take a sip while we transition in a good way to college football. It's always good to transition to college football, is it not? Uh, let's see. Keith Farner of Saturday Down South, who does a great job covering the SEC, says that Florida over the weekend was the subject of a report from On3 Sports that addressed a recruit who did not choose the Gators despite a lucrative NIL offer. Jaden Rashada, a four-star, not a five-star, a four-star quarterback, reportedly left millions on the table from name, image, and likeness by picking the Hurricanes over Florida. But one attorney in question, John Ruiz, put out a statement a couple days ago that said he has never spoken with Michael Caspino. Quote, I have never spoken to Mr. Caspino about Jaden Rashada. Mr. Caspino and I spoke about an unrelated player months ago and had a very professional and pleasant conversation. I respect him. End quote. Uh, 
Now, Ruiz responded because he was mentioned by On3 Sports in the report that multiple sources told On3 that Rashada agreed to an NIL deal with Miami Mega Booster Ruiz for $9.5 million. The same sources said Rashada turned down an offer from the Gator Collective for $11 million. Both offers blow out of the water the Caspino brokered $8 million deal for a five-star recruit thought to be Tennessee quarterback commitment Nico Ayamaleva. I hope I even came close to that. That's, he does not need to buy a vowel. His grandkids will not need to buy a vowel. I-A-M-A-L-E-A-V-A. The Gator Collective also released a statement to clarify its involvement, or lack of, and here's their quote, Gator Collective has refused to engage in any dialogue with Mr. Caspino on numerous occasions as Gator Collective does not approve of his tactics, end quote. Um, G. Allen Taylor tweeted that Florida has two NIL-focused groups, the Gator Collective and the Gator Guard, and it appears the On3 report confused the two, which I mean, at this point, I thought they only had one for each school. Now we find out the Gators have two? Oh, that's not going to get confusing or competitive or underhanded. Not saying that they will, but it definitely lays the groundwork for it, don't you think? Mississippi State and football coach Mike Leach have agreed to a two-year contract extension, going to raise his annual salary to $5.5 million uh, and run through the 2025 season. Uh, Mike Leach immediately turned around and bought Starkville. The ACC became the latest conference to scrap divisions in favor of a new scheduling format yesterday, making 2022 the final year of the Atlantic and Coastal Divisions, which were confusing anyway. Starting next year, 2023, the league will move to a 3-5-5 format. Each team has three permanent rivalry games played annually, with the other 10 opponents rotating on every other year basis. The plans for a shift back to the single-division format gained steam during the league's spring meetings, with the ACC hoping to improve its TV uh, inventory of marquee games and set up a league championship game that would include its two best teams annually. Uh, Interestingly, the new format would not have altered the teams playing in the ACC title game in seven of the past eight years. So, makes sense. Uh, Tennis, Wimbledon. I'm watching it yesterday. Rafael Nadal nearly blew it before holding off an Argentinian or Argentine. Then Serena Williams came on the court, playing a French woman named Harmony Tan. Serena is the greatest female tennis player of all time. There is no argument. She's won Wimbledon seven times, but hasn't won in like half a decade or more. And it's obvious she's only still playing to get the record of most major titles. She's stuck on 23. I believe she needs one more to either tie or go ahead of Margaret Court. In my mind, she's already passed her because many of Court's titles occurred in Australia at a time when many top players did not want to make that long trip down under, so the competition wasn't as great as it is now, uh, except when they don't let uh, Djokovic play. Uh, Not to downplay Margaret Court's success because she does have the record and was a great player, uh, dethroned by Billie Jean King when I was a really young kid. But it seems these days that the just getting on the court for Serena seems to be a monumental chore. Every step seems a slog. Every mistake brings a glower and sour look. She's 40 years old now, but at times she moves like a 60-year-old. Her talent has diminished, but it's still enough to beat most women. But it also seems like this is just pure business now, no joy from just playing. When it goes over seven volleys, she's going to probably lose every point. And she came up short yesterday. She lost to Ms. Tan in a tiebreaker after the third set. A tiebreaker, she led four to nothing at one point. 
She managed to tie it back up at six, but celebrated like she'd won the tournament. That seemed to completely zap any energy that Serena had left as she bent over at the waist, gasping for air. Don't know how much this is about age, lack of conditioning, or theater, but it was a cool 66 degrees in London yesterday with a cool breeze blowing. They even had an eight-minute break at one point because I think it was raining. Serena was sweating like they were playing in Biloxi. If she fails again at the U.S. Open with the crowd completely behind her, it's, and it'll probably be a lot hotter, it's time that she hangs up the tennis shoes for good. By the way, Harmony Tan is ranked 115th in the world. It's only the third time that Serena Williams has lost to somebody 100 or higher. And she just... She just looks like it's just not there anymore. That is, and what gets me, she only really played two sets. The second, she lost the first set. It was like 6-4, something like that. She blew out Tan 6-1 in the second set. So it wasn't really like they had to put out a lot of effort in that second set. Nowhere near as much as the first and the third. And then by the time she was getting to the end of the third, she was gassed. Now, she's done theater in the past where she, you know, she's sometimes it looked like it was all for a show and then she'd rally back and win, but she doesn't rally back much anymore. And when you're 40 years old, you know, that it happens. I started playing tennis again a few months ago after not playing for about 10 years. And I'm telling you, your legs, they ain't the same, just not the same. And I'm 20 years older than her. Anyway, the Atlanta Hawks uh, are in the news. So-called NBA experts continue to chirp on social media that the Hawks are about to make a blockbuster trade, probably involving John Collins, but nothing yet has materialized. NFL news. Uh, yesterday, they announced that David Highhill is the vice president, general manager of sports betting, the league's first position solely focused on overseeing its business in the legal sports betting industry. PGA. Brooks Kepka says he did not decide on leaving the PGA Tour for the LIV until after the U.S. Open. As to why he is leaving, Kepka says his injuries the past two years means he needs more time to recover, and he didn't like the constant pressure of having to play almost every week. And, oh, yeah, and there's also that, that $100 million check. <laughs> Probably had a little, little bit to assuage the uh, leg pain. And that can buy you a lot of Bengay. Which, by the way, actually works. I used that a couple of times when I got back from playing tennis. And as much as you know, we've joked our whole life, what a name, Ben Gay. It actually, frankly, to me, works. I haven't tried the icy hot thing yet, but we'll see. On this day, June 29, 1933, Italian boxer Primo Carnera KO'd the American defending champion Jack Sharkey. Great name. Both of them are great names. Round six at Madison Square Garden, the third European to win the lineal world heavyweight title. But it's not a good auspicious day for Primo uh, all around. We'll find out later. 1958, the FIFA World Cup final in Rosunda Stadium, Stockholm, Sweden. Vava and Pele each scored two goals as Brazil beat Sweden 5-2. 1977, future Hall of Fame outfielder Willie Stargell hits his 400th career homer. The Pirates route the Cardinals at Busch Stadium. Uh, 1984, Pete Rose played his record 3,309th game, surpassing Carl Yastrzemski. 1986, the World Cup Final, Estadio Azteca, Mexico City, which is going to host some more games in a year or two. Argentina beats West Germany 3-2. 114,000 plus people were there. Talk about lying at the bathroom, El Baño. 1986, Sparky Anderson, the first man to win 600 games as a manager in both leagues. 
the Reds, and the Tigers. 1994 NBA draft, Purdue small forward Glenn Robinson, the first pick by the Bucks. I think he played for the Hawks, too, after a while. Let's say June 29, 1995, George Foreman loses the IBF boxing title. He refused to fight or refight Axel Schultz. As to why uh, he didn't want to fight him, Schultz said, I know nothing. Faith, that'll never get old to me. Probably for you, but not for me. Famous athletes you share a birthday with on June 29, 1864, Wilbert Robinson, Hall of Fame catcher for the Philadelphia A's, the Baltimore Orioles, the Cardinals, and manager of the Orioles, and Brooklyn Robbins, born in Bolton, Massachusetts. He died in 1934. 1880, Harry Frazee, team owner of the Boston Red Sox, was born in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, 1929, he died. Uh, it's funny, the line, if it plays in Peoria, it'll play everywhere. He was a showbiz guy, and he sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees to get money to uh, produce his Broadway play, No No Nanette. Uh, 1896, Alfred Harold Gilligan, little buddy, English cricket player, was born in Shamley Green, England, died in 1978. Yes, I only said that because his name was Gilligan, little buddy. Uh, skipper 1936 Harmon Killebrew was born uh, mainly for the twins uh, born in Payette Idaho died in 2011 1941 one of the great names of all time John Buckabella played for the Cubs born in San Francisco either he or he had a brother to play for the Expos because I got his baseball card Buckabella 1944 one of my favorite players as a kid it was him and John Zook on the ends for the Atlanta Falcons Claude Humphrey the Pro Football Hall of Fame defensive end, six-time Pro Bowler, uh, played for the Falcons, and then the Eagles, born in Memphis, died last year, Claude Humphrey, the great Claude Humphrey. Him and John Zook, wow. 1949, Dan Deardorff was born, offensive lineman and sportscaster, did Monday Night Football, born in Canton, Ohio, ironically. 1954, Rick Honeycutt was born. He was a pretty good pitcher, lefty, I believe, for the Cardinals and the Dodgers, and the Braves were rumored for years to trade for him. I don't think they ever did. He was born up in Chattanooga, uh, which so was, um, was it R.C. Cola from Chattanooga? And also... Not Krispy Kreme, something. Oh, Moon Pies. But, okay, we're having a birthday party the other, I guess a couple weeks ago. And my niece-in-law, who uh, I spent some time in Mexico and everything, we were talking about Moon Pies, and she goes, what's that? She had never eaten a Moon Pie. Guess what she's getting? Not for her birthday or Christmas, but I'm going to bring her a Moon Pie. And she said that there's a Mexican equivalent, I forget the name of it, that's very similar to a moon pie when we described it to her. It said it doesn't have all the mallow in it or something, but it's very similar. So I'd like to try one of those, too. 1956, Pedro Guerrero, Dominican player for the Dodgers. Man, he used to kill the Braves. Great player. His kid uh, used to play. I saw his kid play down in Savannah. Years, in, like in the, around the year 2000, his kid was playing a double-A ball down in Savannah for somebody. Uh, let's see, uh, born in San Pedro de Marquis, Dominican Republic. Hey, Pedro was a good hitter. 1967, John Wayner, uh, third baseman for the Pirates, born in Pittsburgh. He uh, went to the Arkansas Razorbacks. He played there. 1980, Martin Truex Jr., all racer, uh, was the cup champion in 2017, born in Mayetta, New Jersey. 1981, Joe Johnson, born in Little Rock, uh, played for the Atlanta Hawks from 2005 to 12. In 1991, Kawi- K- 
Kawhi Leonard. I can't get that name right. Kawhi Leonard, uh, forward, an NBA champion, I think, when he was with the Raptors uh, back in 2014. Has it been that long? Born in L.A. Unfortunately, with some dead people on June 29th, hopefully you will not share this date with them. 1946, Frank Haddow, British tennis player, won Wimbledon in 1878. Frank was the first man to, as they called, to be an exponent of the lob. Yeah, the first man to throw up a lob on the tennis court. He died at age 91. In 1949, Walter Giffen played cricket for Australia. Here's how they describe him. One of the worst test batsmen of all time. <laughs> what, was he Coco LaBoy? Anyway, uh, died at age 87. 1956, Max Emmerich, American athlete and gymnast, won Olympic gold in the triathlon 1904. Died at the age of 77. In 1957, Johan Hinn, Dutch yachtsman, won Olympic gold in the 12-foot dinghy. <laughs> Ooh, 1920, died at 58. And here's what I said earlier. Primo Carnera died on this date in 1967, the Italian boxer. He was a world heavyweight champion from 1933 to 34. Died of alcohol-related liver disease. He was just 60 years old. And in 2000, we lost Arnie Weinmeister. Nice uh, Irish kid. Arnie Weinmeister, Canadian Pro Football Hall of Fame defensive tackle, pro bowler in the 1950s, played for the New York Yankees of football, the New York Giants of football, and the British Columbia Lions, dead at the age of 77. Oh, wait a minute. Where the hell is my phone? Oh, i got to find Pete's tweets. Hold on a second. I left my phone in the other room. What an idiot. It's the first time I've ever just left it in the other room. I didn't even turn it off. Okay, let's go to Pete's tweets. It's coming up some somewhere here. Where's my... Oh, here we go. <laughs> Sorry. This uh, commercial break brought to you by Very Cherry Plums. All right, what we got here? Still celebrating the Ole Miss win, by the way. Yes, I am. Uh, I mentioned it was the birthday of uh, Rico Petroselli the other day, and someone put out... The pirate fan Paul tweeted the back of his baseball card, said that Rico plays the drums to keep his wrists strong, and said his real name was Americo P. Petricelli, or Petricelli, depending who you talk to. Uh, the Southeastern Conference put out a very inter- anyone who runs their mouth, and I have an ACC fans who like to talk crap about the SEC. Just point this out to him or her. Who are the last three football national champions? That would be hmm, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia. Who are the last uh, three college baseball champions? Hmm, That would be uh, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss. The last six champions in football and baseball on both sides, or three on each, have been the SEC team, Southeastern Conference. Uh, Let's see. Here's something I found that was pretty funny. Uh, There's a the store called Morrison's, I don't know where it is, it says Market Street, I don't know. Morrison's Market Street, and they got a little product called Butternut Crinkle Fries. And someone wrote, say, isn't that the chap who plays Doctor Strange? <laughs> Butternut Crinkle Fries? <laughs> From now on, if I ever meet Benedict Cumberbatch, that's the first thing I'm going to say to him. Butternut Crinkle Fries. 
course, he makes fun of his name all the time. Uh, let's see what else we got. Sports, right? Sorry, I didn't. Uh, no, that's not sports. Okay. NFL and CBS says, when was the last time your squad raised the Lombardi Trophy? Teams with Super Bowl wins in the last 10 years. The Rams, the Bucks, the Chiefs, Patriots, Eagles, Broncos, Seahawks, Giants, and Ravens. In the last 20 years, uh, let's see, so you got to go back past the 10, Packers, Saints, Steelers, and Colts. In the last 30 years, Cowboys, that's right, 49ers, and Washington. In the last 40 years, the Bears and the Raiders. In the last 50 years, half century, the Dolphins. In the last 60 years, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Teams that have never won the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Panthers, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Lions, the Browns, the Chargers, the Falcons, the Cardinals, the Titans, and the Bills. Not a group you want to be in. Not at all. Uh, American, uh, I forget her first name, Goff. It looks like, she, I don't know if she won it or not, to tell you the truth. She was playing some woman from Romania named Ruse. So even if she does win, it's just a ruse. Well, that's a long way to go for that. Pete Tamil tweets, What does Arch Manning's commitment mean for Texas football? Well, they've got seven commits since his announcement. He's actively texting recruits to convince them to come. They'll probably get more this week. Uh, there's a video out there which I stumbled across. I don't know how old it is. It shows a bunch of San Diego Padre coaches standing around watching a young kid throw the ball. He's a right-hander. And there's you Darvish standing there. Now, why is you Darvish standing there? Because it's you's son, who looks like he's high school age or almost about. I forget the kid's name. Yeah, his name is Shoei, S-H-O-E-I, Shoei, not Shohei. He's class of 26. I don't know if that's college or high school. Throwing the ball, he's got a really short way he throws it. It's like he winds up slow, and then all of a sudden, the last second, that right arm shoots out, and ba-doom. This kid's going to be a star. It's unbelievable. He's already getting the professional training. Uh, here's the statistics for Kenley Jansen so far at 32 games. He's at 20 saves. Unfortunately, he didn't get one the other day against the uh, Dodgers, but maybe this little problem had crept up and was giving him trouble out there. 20 saves. His ERA is 3.58. He's pitched 32 and two-thirds innings. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is 47 to 8. His whip is 0.95. The Onion has a rather awkward headline here. <laughs> dressage practice, that's horse jumping. You know, you get on your horse and you jump over the railings. Uh, dressage practice, super awkward ever since horse and rider stopped hooking up. <laughs> what is it, Catherine the Great? Uh, Adam Stites pointed out that Mike Trout was doing something in the center field for the Angels last night that his pitcher probably didn't appreciate. Mike Trout was in center field getting annoyed that pitcher Elvis Pagrero was tipping his pitches, and Mike Trout yelled in to the pitcher or to the bench or whatever and was showing what he was doing out on the field. And he was getting pounded, by the way. And Trout could see it from center field. He was tipping his pitches. And he says, Mike Trout looks fed up. He really does. He and Shohei may both just bolt the Angels. And that's it for Pete's tweets. Thank you very much. All right, time for this day in baseball history, June 29th, 1897. The Chicago Colts, who later became the Cubs of the National League, established the record for most runs scored in a game by one team when they clobbered the Louisville Colonels 36-7. to The Cardinals beat the Phillies 28-6 to at the Baker Bowl in 1929 to set the modern National League mark. June 29th, 1905. 
When the New York Giants lead the Superbas of Brooklyn 11-1, to Archibald Moonlight Graham made his Major League debut in the bottom of the eighth inning, a defensive replacement in right field at Brooklyn's Washington Park. The career minor leaguer, who will not have a Major League at-bat and his only appearance in the big leagues, becomes immortalized by W.P. Kinsella's book Shoeless Joe and the movie based on the work Field of Dreams, played by the great Burt Lancaster. 1909, the Pirates, and that iconic scene. That, to me, there's two iconic scenes between Coster sitting in his doctor's office back in the past and talking with Burt Lancaster, and then later Burt Lancaster stepping across the line, which means he has to, you know, he, he's no longer the little the boy playing ball anymore. He becomes the elderly doctor to save the little girl's life. That's such an iconic scene. Anyway, 1909, the Pirates host their last game at Exposition Park, beat the Cubs in front of 5,000 fans at the small and cramped ballpark on the north side of the Allegheny River. They will begin to play at Forbes Field the next day, a spacious venue constructed of concrete and steel in the Oakland neighborhood of Pittsburgh. 1916, only one baseball is used. That's right, only one baseball is used during the Reds' win over the Cubs at Redland Field. The score, 9-6. There are no home runs or foul balls which land in the stands during the contest. They use uh, at least three balls every at-bat now. It drives me crazy. The catcher, the ball barely touches. They think it just touches the ground, and the catcher turns and just hands it to the umpire. I would never do that. I'd make, the, of course, it'd probably piss off the umpire after a while, but I'm sorry. It's not like pitchers these days really know what to do with a scuffed ball. It's not like they're John Sutton, Don Sutton or um, Joe Negro out there, not to cast dispersions or anyone else from that era. But anyway, 1933 in the second inning of St. Louis's win over uh, New York. Uh, what the hell is this? Yeah, it's nationally. Ethan Allen raced around the bases for an inside-the-park homer at the polo grounds, but is called out for batting out of turn. Once again, we talked about this a few days ago. It cost Joe Ducky Medwick his turn at the plate. Then the Cardinal outfitter bats for himself in the correct order, but grounds out. I think in that same game, uh, Ducky hit for the cycle, but I'm not quite sure. Don't quote me. June 29, 1937, in a loss to Brooklyn, Chicago's first baseman Ripper Collins does not make a putout during the nine-inning game. It's just the third time that has ever happened. It is also the second time for the Cubs infielder, who also did not make a putout playing first base for the Cards in a game against the Braves of Boston two years before. 1970, maybe they didn't like him. 1972, the A's of uh, Oakland send Denny McLean to the Braves for future Hall of Famer Orlando Cepeda. Both were kind of washed up at the point. It's the first time teams have swapped former MVPs. Uh, because of knee problems, Cha-Cha Cepeda will, will only bat three times with Oakland. The former 31-game winner McLean will post a 3-5 and five record with Atlanta. What a, well, he squandered his talent. 1986, the White Sox trade veteran righty Tom Seaver to the Red Sox for Steve Lyons. Boy, Steve Lyons should brag about that the rest of his life. Tom Terrific finishes his Hall of Fame career in Boston, but he will not pitch in the World Series against the Mets, his first major league team that still refers to him as the franchise. Boston might have won if he had pitched. 1989, the Boise Hawks suspend manager Mal Finchman for one game for returning to the field after being ejected in the sixth inning, disguised as the team's mascot, Humphrey the Hawk. The feathery imposter gives instructions to his team for the remainder of the Northwest League contest against Salem. But uh, he pulled a little – remember when uh, Bobby Valentine of the Mets came back and sat in the dugout with 
uh, mustache and sunglasses like he was Groucho Marx or something. Uh, June 29, 1990, for the first time since 1917, when Hippo Vaughn and Fred Tony did it, James Hippo Vaughn, why was he named Hippo? Was he a big boy? I have to look that up. Two no-hitters are thrown on the same day when the A's Dave Stewart shuts out the Jays and the Dodgers Fernando Valenzuela blank the Cardinals. In 2000, with more than 700 police officers on hand at the ballpark instead of the usual 60, John Rocker makes his much-awaited return to Shea Stadium. Before the game, the Braves reliever pitched a perfect eighth inning in front of 46,000 booing fans, had apologized to Mets fans for his inappropriate comments about New Yorkers, which appeared in the offseason in Sports Illustrated. Okay, John Rocker, to me, was a jerk, but some of the things he said about New Yorkers, not all, some of the things, he was spot on. 2000, after trying to get Juan Gon Gonzalez and Sammy Sosa to bolster their failing offense, the Yankees get David Justice from the Indians for Ricky Lede and two right-handers to be named later. We'll name them Zach Day and Jake Westbrook. The move appears to work. The Bronx Bombers post a 50-39 and record. That's a 562 winning percentage after getting the outfitter and captured their third consecutive championship in 26th overall. Uh, let's see, uh, 2005, after being plunked for the 268th time in his career, Craig Biggio breaks Don Baylor's record for being hit by a pitch. Uh, Rocky starter Byung Hyun Kim nailed the Astros' second baseman on the left elbow. Hmm. It establishes a new mark, both literally and figuratively. <laughs> June 29, 2010, South Carolina wins the College World Series when Whit Merrifield, now the Royals, 11th inning RBI single beat UCLA 2-1, gave uh, the Gamecocks their first NCAA team national championship in any men's sports. Uh, Gamecocks set the record with six consecutive wins after losing their first game, becoming only the third club ever to record that many victories in the collegiate tourney. Collegiate tourney. Okay, how many did Ole Miss win? They only lost to Arkansas. Then they swept. Then they beat Arkansas. Then they swept, well, no, I guess they just won four in a row because then they swept Oklahoma. I guess that's how it worked out. 2015, Jock Peterson became the third rookie in Major League history to hit 20 homers before July. He went deep off Allen Webster, and the Dodgers lost to Arizona in Arizona. The 23-year-old Peterson joined Wally Berger of the Boston Braves in 1930 and Albert Pujols of the Cardinals in 2001 in accomplishing that feat as a freshman. Jock Peterson is having a whale of a year and will be at the All-Star game. He's one of the main reasons the Giants are doing as well as they are this year. Uh, thanks to ESPN, Saturday Down South, on this day.com, and everybody else that I've mentioned during the show as we've been going along. Uh, let's see here. We've got a lot of chock full of stuff today in here. Let's um, see if we got anything that we've missed in this morning. And once again, I'm doing this on Wednesday morning. Um, hmm. Not looking anything jumping out there. Sports wise. Um, uh, uh, three Alabama players have been named to the Walter Camp preseason All-American team. Uh, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, and Eli Ricks uh, on there. And da, 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 the Phillies are bringing up a kid named Derek Hall from AAA. He's hit 20 homers down there. He's a lefty. So he'll probably be in the lineup against the Braves tonight. And, uh, the, and Sports Illustrated has an article. Okay, obviously... MLB is getting out. The New York Post, Phil Mushnick, attacked Rob Manford last week, and justifiably so. So what happens? Here's what happens. ESPN's main story today is that 
uh, especially on their baseball.com, is Rod Manfred does not hate baseball. Sports Illustrated's tweet, Rod Manfred says it's ridiculous to people think that people think he hates baseball. That's not a little PR push now, is it? Anyway, let's go to ESPN, see the headlines. The Knicks have made a trade. Who cares? The Hawks have not yet. And, uh, Harmony Tan says she has a thigh injury and is pulled out of her doubles match at Wimbledon, which leaves her poor doubles partner in the lurch. The poor girl was going to play in her first Grand Slam mat, uh, doubles match, and an hour before, Tan pulls out. That's not a, not a good look, Tan. Hopefully you are hurt, uh, but only because I don't want you pulling out because you're just tired. Anyway, everybody have a great uh, rest of the week. See you on Friday, good Lord willing. Uh, farmhouseprintingco.com for all your T-shirt needs. It's always a great gift. And um, they'll put anything on a T-shirt, anything, any. Well, there may be a limit, but I, I don't know. Maybe there's some things they won't put on a T-shirt. I encourage you to push the envelope. <laughs> they're they're going to hate me for that. Everybody have a great rest of the day and drink up Shriners.